ocean guy, but, uh, but I have great appreciation for the mountains and the sea. Uh, we're starting a series today called On the Mountain with God, and this series is going to take us through Easter and then, uh, and then the week after as well. But I want you to think about something for a second. You know, how often do we use the expression that we have mountaintop experiences? And, and we share those words when something really good has happened in our life. We talk about, man, I had this mountaintop experience. Maybe it's, you know, you got that promotion at work or something really good is happening in a relationship with you. Uh, or, or maybe your faith has taken a turn and is stepping towards that epic moment where you feel like you and God are right there together. And we talk about mountaintop experiences. Even when our, our students will go off to camp or our kids will go to Camp Crave, a lot of them will come back on that great high. And I sort of wondered this week, why do we use, why do we use that expression? Why do we talk about you know, mountaintop experiences and then relate those to where God is? Uh, why is God always up? Do you ever think about that? Uh, I think part of it is because you know, people believed the earth was flat for the longest time. And so, so the creator, the only space that really could contain him was, was up. It was in the heavens. And think about also when Solomon built the temple and they have this big you know, coronation speech where he stands outside the temple and he says these big words. And I'm paraphrasing, of course, but it's something like this. He said, how ridiculous that we think a building is going to contain the presence of God. I mean, it's nice. And it's big, but our God is so much bigger that this building could never contain the presence of God. And as we look through history, we're not quite sure where it came from. Maybe it was God's idea himself. But the mountains are the high places, and they, they reach into the heavens, and that is the place that the heavens and the earth meet first, isn't it? When you look at the Bible, when we look at mountains in Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, but a lot in the New Testament as well. We see that mountains play a significant role. In fact, if a text ever says they were on a mountain, you know that God is going to do something profound. Anytime mountains are mentioned or people are traveling up to a high place, it means that God is going to do something significant. That is why, as the, uh, we'll get to this in a minute, why some of the Psalms, uh, when, when David writes many of the psalms, he doesn't write all of them, but when he writes many of these psalms, he talks about this space of going up to meet God. That's why Psalm 121 that a lot of us maybe have heard or read in our lives, it says, I will lift up my eyes where? To the mountains. Where will my help come from? My help will come from the Lord, the maker or the creator of heaven when we read through the book of Genesis and you get to Genesis chapter 6, you see a story of a guy named Noah. People have done awful things. And God says, you know what, I'm going to start over. I'm going to take Noah and his family and we're going to put them in a boat. And it's going to take them a long time to build this. And they're going to spend that time calling people to repentance, calling people to try to come back to the Lord. Hey, you need to, you need to come and repent and make things right between you and God. But the people refuse to do that. And so God seals up the ark, and the rains begin, and look at this. The waters cover the earth. You see, the flood covers the earth. The mountains are the last thing to be covered, which in effect means that God is hidden from the people. And isn't it amazing, at the end, as the rains are coming and your houses are flooding, 
people start to make their way to the high ground. They should have been doing this all along because that's the image of pursuing God. They do it at the end, but it's too late. And maybe another way to say it is that the flood covered and uncovered the person. Isn't it amazing that the mountains are the last thing to be covered, but they're the first thing to be revealed. And we know from the story of Scripture that the ark comes to land where? On Mount Ararat. Of all the places that the ark could have landed, of all the the open plains or the valleys, it is on top of a mountain that the ark comes to rest, signaling that now God's presence is slowly returning to the earth. And it starts from the mountain. It starts with Noah and his family, and then the waters recede. But there's no irony in that. It's intentional. God wanted it to stop there because it signifies his presence coming back onto the earth. If you jump forward to Genesis 11, we have the story of the Tower of Babel, which we call Mount Babel, so to speak. This is where people gather and they say, we feel like the distance between us and God is far, so we're going to build a mountain, a man-made mountain, and we're going to reach to the heavens. We're going to go to that place. And of course, God doesn't destroy them the second time. He confuses their language and sends them to the ends of the earth. Maybe you read a little further, starting in chapter 12, uh, for the next you know, 10 or 15 chapters, we have the story of Mount Moriah. And this is where Abraham and his wife Sarah have waited for a child, and God gives them Isaac in their old age. And then God says, I want you to offer him back to me as a sacrifice. And Abraham is obedient, and they travel to the region of Moriah, and then you see them at the base of Moriah. They are waiting to ascend to the mountain, and he tells the servants, he says, we are going to go up onto the mountain, and we are going to meet God, and then we're going to come back down. They know that the mountain is the place that they will meet God. Of course, we know the story. He's ready to sacrifice his son. God says, don't do it. And there in the thicket, there is a mountain goat or mountain sheep or whatever it is. And that becomes the substitute of sacrifice as they meet God on the mountain. And Abraham writes these words in Genesis 22, verse 14. It says, so, the Lord, so Abraham called the place the Lord has provided. And to this day, it says, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. We learn from these stories that God provides on the mountain. Abraham calls this place Yahweh Jireh, which means God We also see that the mountains provide safety. The story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham and Lot, you know, are together and they're fleeing this evil city because it seems like that's all that people know how to do is be bad. And the calling of Genesis 19, it says, as soon as they brought them out of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah, they said, flee for your lives. Don't look back. Don't stop on the plain anywhere. Flee to the mountains. Go to the place where God is. Find refuge there. Find safety there. When we cross over to the book of Exodus, we see that, that God's people are formed at the base of mountain. God, God leads them out of slavery from Egypt into the desert, and then they come to the base of Mount Sinai. And God's presence and his law are found and revealed at Sinai. That's where Moses goes up onto the mountain. Remember, he gets a really bad sunburn. His face starts 
starts glowing because he's been in the presence of God on the mountain. But from the mountain, God says, you are going to be my people and I'm giving you a law and I'm helping you understand how you can relate to me. We also learn that Jerusalem, as we cross over into from Old Testament to New Testament as well, even though we see that with David, Jerusalem becomes God's mountain. It becomes the high place. It's higher than a lot of the surrounding regions there. Jerusalem is God's mountain all the way through the New Testament. We see this with the story of Jesus as well. Isn't it amazing that if you, if you study your Bible, if you go and look up in a concordance, mountains, or if you Google online, mountains in the Bible, it will tell you all of these stories that maybe you missed along the way and ultimately talking about Jerusalem being God's high place. It's, just, it's not ironic that God builds Jerusalem at a high place because when people travel to Jerusalem, which they would do at this exact time of year, you know, this Sunday is what we call Palm Sunday. It's the day where, where Jesus goes into Jerusalem and they're about to celebrate Passover and then they would stay for about six or seven weeks all the way to Pentecost. And there was, this, there was this traveling, this sojourning to Jerusalem, which was the high place. And that's why, in the book of Psalms, you have all these psalms that are called, they have little titles above them. They start right in Psalm 121, which we read a minute ago. And they go for about the next 15 psalms. And there were many more than the ones that we have. They were called the Psalms of Ascent. Now, we know the word ascent or ascension means to go up. And as people, as faithful Jewish people would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. They, they, they were enacting the story of Abraham going up on the mountain offering sacrifice because that's what to do was right. And as they're traveling to Jerusalem, they, they are rising physically in altitude with almost every step that they're taking. And they would, they would sing and weave and chant what we call the Psalms of Ascent. And I just want to read a few verses uh, from a few of them. In Psalm 125, we have one, and, and these were affirmations of what the people were about to experience. It wasn't just that they arrived in Jerusalem, but it was a journey to get there, and they were preparing their hearts and their minds as they were heading to Jerusalem, as they were preparing to meet God. Psalm 125, 1 and 2, it says, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, like Jerusalem, which cannot be shaken but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forevermore. And they would say these words over their children and over those that were traveling with them. Or in Psalm 134, it's one of the shorter psalms that we have. It simply says, Praise the Lord, all the servants of the Lord, who minister by night, in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, for he is the maker of heaven and earth. And they would, they would share these psalms. They would share these words, preparing each other for the sacrifice and for the encounter with God. That they were going to the mountain and they were expecting to meet God. I don't think I've ever preached a series on mountains in the Bible. Uh, obviously, they're a part of stories, and we know that they're significant. And next week, we'll 
celebrate Easter, we'll celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. But if you remember the first part of the Gospels, Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus preaches his first sermon, we call it the Sermon on the Mount. It's significant. It's obvious now. God's about to do something phenomenal. That's why Jesus goes up onto the mountain to share the words, because there is a new encounter with God of the city to one of the highest hills, and that's where they crucify the criminal, to be on display for humiliation. And yet what people don't see is the sacrifice of God on the mountain. You know, as I was kind of studying this uh, this week, I sort of learned something that I want to say kind of caught me off guard a little bit. And the first first one was that was this, that God does not come to us first. We must go to him. You know, we live in a world where we kind of have everything done for us. And I think what we have done is we've also bought into the lie, look, I believe God is everywhere. I believe that God will meet us everywhere. But what was very interesting to me in all of these stories, the people had to make the first effort to go to God. God did not come to them. And I think that there is a word in that for our world. Look, I think this last year has changed a lot of our perspectives. Most of us did not expect to spend a year at home or not being able to do things. We couldn't have imagined that if we, if we tried. And yet, we've become really good at excuses, haven't we? Justifications. Now we can just say, I'm not comfortable with that, and people have to accept it. And what we've unfortunately done is that we've sat in the recliners of our faith and we've said, God, you can just go ahead and come to me whenever you're ready. And God says, no, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to show some effort towards me like these people of old who climbed the mountain, who came to me. You have to put some effort in to be a part of this. You know, your faith is only going to be as good as what you put into it. It's not me doing all the work. And I think sometimes we fall into this trap. Well, God's going to do it. Or even when we pray, God, you just do whatever you want to do, but if you could just really do these three things, they really fit my schedule way better than these other things that you're calling me to do. We all do this, don't we? And that's okay. But sometimes in our faith, how's your faith? My faith is not that good. Well, maybe you've got to do something about it. Maybe you have to put some effort in. Maybe you've got to put on, put on your hiking boots. Maybe that book that sits dusty on your nightstand needs to be picked up and opened every now and then. Maybe, maybe you've got to put some effort in to pursuing God. And part of this season that I learned is, is not just because God's a big meanie and he doesn't want to do it for us, but you think if you're parents, you understand this concept. But God also wants us to meet him on his terms, not on ours. And sometimes we are very good at meeting God with all the disclaimers or the excuses, aren't we? We all are good at this. And yet, God is saying, listen, when you come, when you unshackle your life enough and you come to me, then I'm going to do something profound with you. The second thing that I realized is that mountains are defined by valleys and that you cannot live on the mountain. If you ever go up onto a mountain, if you take a hike or you go and you do something like that, what you realize on the top of the mountain is that it's, is that it's usually pretty sparse. 
There's not, you know, a lot of things to eat. There's not a lot of stuff there. If you know anything about camping, if you're outdoors and you're on the mountain, you want to make your way down a bit because the top of the mountains are freezing. They're cold. It's warmer down in the valleys. Mountains are wonderful and inspiring. And when you stand on the top of a mountain, you can just see everything for so long, almost as if you see from God's perspective for a moment. But you can't live on a mountain. If you think about it, mountains are desolate and the valley is where things flourish, where you see the waters and the rivers going through, all the trees, all the beauty. You get a great perspective when you stand in a high place. But you can't live on the mountain. And the greatest growth in our lives does not happen on the top of a mountain. Where does it happen? It happens in the valley. There's significance to that. You can't just live in spiritual highs all the time because after you've been to the mountain and met God, God sends you back down. And he says, go back into your life, go back and grow. And while this has been a great moment and something to remember and something powerful for you, you cannot live on the mountain. You need to go down to the valley. What we learn is this, mountain highs are often followed by valley lows. In fact, that's how we know that one exists and the other exists because our life goes up and down and up and down and up and down. The beauty of it is that God provides in both of these places, on the mountains and the valleys. So if you are in a tough spot in your life, maybe you need to look up and say, hey, I've got to kind of trudge and make my way back towards the Lord. And if you're in a spiritually awesome place, maybe God is turning you around and saying, now you need to go back to the valley. It's not always going to be fun, but that's the place that you're going to grow the most. And the words of Abraham will always be true on the mountain of the Lord. It will be provided. What that means is, is that God will meet you wherever you are. Now, maybe some of us in these moments, we feel like I'm just in the valley. And I, I can't break, break free. I, I can see the mountain, but I have, I have too much going on right now. Maybe like the words of Psalm 121, we have to lift our eyes first. And we've got to step towards that. And we've slowly got to put some effort in day after day and try to climb that mountain. And God will help us climb the mountain. But sometimes in our faith we are stalled because he's waiting for us to make some kind of effort. Maybe that's how you feel today. Maybe you say, I just don't feel the presence of God. I'd love, I remember going to youth camp. I remember, I remember going to, you know, having a night of worship. I remember all these great moments, but I, but I just don't feel like I'm in that place with God. Maybe the word in your, on your heart today is, hey, I got to make some effort. I got to wake up. I got to, I got to put the time in and go expectantly waiting to meet God. You know, uh, our staff had a meeting uh, a little over a week ago. We've been talking about this revived night of worship that we did this last uh, this last Wednesday. If you didn't come, don't feel bad. Put some extra money in, we'll be fine. No problem. But we were we were kind of concerned because we don't know how many people are going to come. We had a packed house, and it wasn't because we're awesome. 
people are searching for worship. People are looking for God. I mean, we put the message. But that, I didn't hear one person that said, man, I came to that. What a snooze fest. You know, I feel, I feel further away from God now than I ever did. People didn't find it. They said, I felt closer to God. Some people nailed things to this cross, burdens that they're carrying. You know what these things represent? They represent the valleys. And people saying, if I can unlatch myself from this, then maybe I can start to climb the mountain. And when I climb the mountain, I know that God's going to be there to meet me. And I also know that after I have a great experience with God, He's going to turn me around and He's going to say, now go back to the valley. And when I get tired in the valley, He's going to remind me, you need to look up. You need to climb the mountain. The beauty of that is that God really exists in both of these places. And maybe today we have to let go of some of the reasons and excuses and justifications that we've had and say, you know what, it's time. It's time for me to pursue God again. It's time for me to get over whatever's behind me and step into a new future. Because it changed the way we live. is there with you. And if you're on the mountain, praise God. But now go back to the valley. Find Him in both of those places. Our faith is not static. Our faith is up and down. And if you feel like your faith is down, it doesn't mean that you failed. It just means maybe you need to, maybe you need to look at something different. And your faith is great. And God's going to send you back down. Hopefully there is a word of inspiration and hope in this, especially as we celebrate resurrection, because Jesus will be raised from the dead. We will choose. Do we stay in the grave, or do we rise with him to the resurrection? So hear the word of the Lord in that today, wherever you are. Set your eyes on him. Lift your eyes up. Put the effort in. Father, today, thank you for thank you for meeting us in this place. Thank you for making your presence known to us. God, thank you for just simple reminders that as we look at mountains, as we see the silhouette where heaven and earth collide, Father, we know that you want nothing more than to meet us in those special places. Father, we feel like our faith is, is nothing or broken today. We pray that you would fill us with a sense of hope, with a sense of desire and inspiration that we want to seek you. And God, if we, if we feel filled to the brim, may we lead others. May we hold out our hands and pull others up into your presence. And as we descend back down and go to those places in our lives that maybe we don't want to. We want to stay on the mountain with you. God, help us to carry you with us. Just the same way that people would ascend to Jerusalem to meet you, and after a certain amount of time, you would turn them around and send them back to their homes. God, may we, during this season of this year, 
filled with your presence and your spirit. And then return to our lives as beacons, as inspired people, as people filled with your spirit. Father, we thank you for leading us here today, wherever we are, for calling us into greater relationships with you. And Father, we pray above all that you would be with us and be good. We ask this all in the powerful and life-giving name.